Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Great. Okay. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, and today I have on Miriam Segura Harrison. Thanks for joining us, Miriam. Thanks for having me. Sure. And um, I just want to say for the listeners, Miriam is a doctor and she's super, super busy and she is still doing this podcast, recording it while she, in between shifts and getting home to her kids. So thank you so much for squeezing us in. Um, yeah, no problem. That's why you'll hear my turn signal every once in a while. Okay, perfect. However it works. Um, okay, All so right. I really wanted to uh, bring you on, Miriam, because um, you are a doctor, and from what I heard, you are a health at every size aligned doctor. And I don't think I know anyone else. <laughs> um, there, like there are actually quite a few of us. I'm really? actually like in, yeah, like I'm in contact with a bunch of other doctors who are health at every size aligned, and um, I certainly talk to a lot of people who hear about it and they're like, "Tell me more." So I yeah. think like it's catching on because like I think that we all know that diets don't work and diet culture is like really oppressive and like most doctors that I know are like anti are into being anti-oppression so like it just is a natural fit like health at every size is fundamentally about anti-oppression of bad people like and as a fat person that's important to me Right. So um, that's really, that makes me really happy to hear and really, really promising yeah. because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like, it, like a lot of what I hear is like, you know, diet culture is really bad and like we really have to fight it. But like to hear that, you know, we do have to fight it, but to hear that people are, are coming around and really understanding and it's, it's becoming less of a fight and more of just like a natural understanding that um, like that health at every size does exist. So um, could you just tell us first, just tell us like a little bit about yourself. Like, where do you live? What do you do? Um, so I'm a family physician uh, who also does obstetrics, um, which means I do prenatal care, postpartum care, lactation care, deliver babies, and also take care of like the whole family across the lifespan, like adults, old people, kids, everything. Um, I live in Sharon, Massachusetts, which is a lovely little suburb with a nice from community. Um, and I work in the Cambridge Somerville area, Very uh, cool. which is a little bit north, north and east of Boston. Awesome. So how did you, um, did you always like, were you always interested north in and health west, at every- not north and west, not northeast. Yeah. I was actually interested in health at every size before I became a doctor. Really? Um, 
Yeah. So I, before I had a lot of other things that I did before I went into medicine, I um, am a college teacher. I used to work in biotech. Um, and oh, when so I was cool. working in biotech, um, yeah, I've done a lot of things. Um, when I was working in biotech, uh, my company sent me to this research summit on like metabolic risk and um, like cardiovascular metabolic risk. Um, and that was really like the conference that I decided to go to medical school while I was at, cause I was like, I could be sitting here pipetting all day long, or I could be talking to people. And right. I think I much prefer talking to people. Um, yeah. but I also felt like there was just a lot of like fat phobic rhetoric in this scientific conference syndrome and like a lot of sort of like snarky undertones about fat people. And I just felt like what is this? Like I had enough data at that point to know that dieting didn't work because I was, an, um, I was, a, I wasn't even like when I started dieting, I wasn't even fat. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I was like a totally normal weight teenager, um, who thought I was fat. And then I like, and then it became the truth after mm -hmm. many years of like yo-yo dieting. Yeah. Um, and like, that's like years 13 through 23, Miriam. Mm -hmm. um, and then somewhere around like, right. My last diet was like right before my wedding. And I was like, it's fine. I kind of know that dieting isn't sustainable for me long-term, but like, I can just do it to like look good in my wedding dress and like conform to society's expectations of me as a Kala. And also like, I got horribly fat shamed by like most people that in the dress buying process. Um, so I was like, not in a good place. Um, and I don't know if you it, have it like- hurts me. It hurts me to like... hear that. No, it hurts me <laughs> like, to hear that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's I, important I, for maybe people you should to hear. Have a, yeah, like maybe you should have a trigger warning for this, but like I was taking Ally, which is like that like diet pill that makes you like poop oil. Um, mm. <laughs> like, yeah. um, you know, and so that yeah. was like, you know, not- Cause you can't absorb like, the fat, right? You can't absorb fat. So like, I don't know who thought that that was a good idea. Probably 23 year old me. Um, <sighs> and <laughs> so, um, and like immediately after my wedding, like I gained it all back plus more. And I was like, you know what? I am done. Mm -hmm. Like I am done with trying to make my body do things it clearly doesn't want to do. And like sacrifice, sacrificing my energy and my emotions and my happiness and my nutrition and like, pooping out oil like it yeah, just like seriously. it was just like yeah. I I was just at a place where I was just like forget it like there's got to be a better way mm -hmm. um and that really led me to like the fatosphere like the fat blogosphere uh -huh. um of of like the mid 2000s like 2007 2006 2010 ish um and I read um like Kate Harding Shapely Prose blog. Um, and I was like, oh my God, there's like people doing other things than dieting. <laughs> and like, yeah. and like devoting, like imagine all the good we could do if our brains were functioning at full capacity instead of being like calorically starved. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's it. I'm got, I've got to find a better way. And I started reading like Ellen Satter. And this was all when I was like thinking about applying to medical school. And so like, at this point, I was still like kind of like small fat, like just the top end of like 
non non plus sizes like I was mm-hmm. like a 10 ish kind of um and so like I didn't really have like a lot of experience of like an actively like fat person to guide me into how much fat phobia there is out there um and um that didn't really happen until after my first kid because like I had my first kid um after like in my first year of medical school um and like of course I gained weight because I like had a baby but that like kind of pushed me over into the um like BMI over 30 category Mm -hmm. um and then I started getting like a little bit of medical fat phobia too. Cause like before, like no one had ever said like, you need to lose weight medically. I was like in the BMI 25 to like, you know, whatever category where they're like, well, yes, sure. Losing weight would be great. Um, like, but no one ever thought it was like a thing I had to do to like conform um, beyond like the societal expectations of being thin that are kind of there for even kind of small fat and like upper size overweight, not obese. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I, like in my second year medical school, like metabolic unit, I was like, oh my God, there's all this bias against me, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. as a fat doctor. People were saying things to you or you just felt it to me. I just felt it. Like, and I was like, they're talking about people who look like me. Right. And they're imputing all this bias and all this like laziness and weakness and, like all these moral values are being imputed to my fatness or mm. as, as the fatness of someone who looks like me, who isn't a doctor. Um, and that's when I really became conscious of like medical fat bias and medical fat phobia. Um, Could I just stop you for one second? When you said like you went yeah. on a diet, like at age 13, was that, um, did you like, was that because like your family, your surroundings, like were you always <laughs> surrounded by fat phobia and like this obsession with weight loss or that was your own thing? It's so funny because it wasn't really my parents. Like I kind, I think I kind of came up with the idea that I wanted to diet and they were like, sure, go ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, I don't think they pressured about it. What do you think it was? Yeah. I think it was like peer pressure friends, everybody, like it just, it was no specific thing. It was general diet culture. <laughs> yeah. General diet culture. Yeah, it was diet culture. Like that is the clearest example of diet culture mm-hmm. that I like that you can come up with. Is it somebody with no specific triggers for um, like going on a diet at age thirteen? Just like it's the thing you do. Right, right. I like to, even though you're not my client at all, but I like when I do ask yeah. my clients this. I like to say like, who's your diet police or who's your diet culture? Because like it just helps to like identify that. So that's interesting. Like where it all started for yeah. you, it wasn't necessarily your parents. It was more just like the general collective voice of diet culture. It was in fact diet culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, at its um, finest. At its is, finest. Yeah. Which is like not to say that like my dad didn't join me on a diet, you know, because right. like everybody's in it. Everyone's like, on a diet, yeah. You know, and, and 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 I grew up in LA. In LA, like literally everyone's on a diet like all the time. Right, right, right. Um, so like it's just part of the culture. Yeah, totally, totally. And then and yeah. when you were like all the years that you were considering um, going to med school, was that like okay, I want to make a shift in the medical community, or that came that only came when you realized oh, there's those two things were really like not solidified in my mind. I did not go into medicine to like uproot fat phobia. Um, I, I would think like there's many other reasons why I'm in medicine also in addition to uprooting fat phobia. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I think that like I just gradually became more aware of um, anti-fat bias 
um, and like, and the things that it leads to. Um, and I think also like I did some more work myself with um, in therapy and I worked with um, um, a health at every size nutritionist and I really like did a deep dive on like how to feed myself and my family. Mm -hmm. um, I like did a lot of like Ellen Satter reading. I still recommend Ellen Satter. Yeah. Um, uh, it's really interesting because like some people who are like health at every size um, like advocates don't feel like Ellen Satter is truly weight neutral. Right. Um, I, I've heard that. Yeah. Because she talks about like health at her like Saturn division of responsibility leading to like lower BMI and she has good data to support that. But I think that the key is that it's not for her about intentional weight loss. Right. Um, so like this is a little inside baseball, you know, yeah. <laughs> at every size, yeah. um, which is kind of a digression. But like, I think that like the Ellen Satter feeding dynamic guidelines are like the healthiest, most normal, closest thing we have to health at every size nutrition guidelines. And I love them and I use them and I recommend them widely. Um, so, and it's not just me, like the USDA, like the American Academy of Pediatrics, like, like literally says there should be a division of responsibility in child feeding. Um, and like this actually sort of crystallized for me when I um, had my first kid and then my second kid and um, struggled tremendously with breastfeeding. Um, mm. And a lot of the rhetoric around breastfeeding is fat phobic oh, yeah. too. Mm -hmm. um, that, like you should breastfeed because if you formula feed, your kid's gonna be fat and stupid. <laughs> and I know, you notice how those I always know. go together, yeah. right? Um, oh, yeah. So like, I actually became a lactation consultant. Um, wow. I'm an internationally board certified lactation consultant. Um, and I do a lot of breastfeeding medicine in my practice. Um, and I think like combating that fat phobia, like fat women are gonna be less likely to meet their breastfeeding goals, which is actually true. But I think it's like, it's hard to disentangle that from like, you know, structural fat phobia. Right, things. right. Um, and there's probably some physiology that, that does. And like, I don't think health at every size is about denying that there's things about the physiology of being fat that can set you up for things. I don't right. think that health at every size denies that that can be the case. Right. It just says intentional weight loss is not the fix, which yes. I 100% agree with. Like, I'm not right. denying that having a BMI over X something is not, does not increase your likelihood of whatever X thing. I think, like, even if it does, fat people are still entitled to respect as human beings, and intentional weight loss is not the solution. Right. So, I think just for the listeners who, like, aren't so familiar with health at every size and, like, the principles surrounding it. Like, I think that like, I'll just, I'll just say this for people who don't know what we're talking about. So um, a lot of times people will like come, like combat, like let's say health at every size and say like, wait, but I need to lose weight for health reasons. Cause at this higher weight, at this higher BMI, I'm at a risk for let's say diabetes, heart disease, um, whatever. Right. So um, what you're saying is that maybe you are at a higher risk, but that, that, but the answer is an intentional weight loss because look at the research when we do yeah. engage in behaviors that quote unquote, help us lose weight. Um, even if we do lose weight, we gain it back and more Then we go on this yo-yo dieting. That's even worse for our health than the, let's say quote unquote, being overweight. Right. Right. And the people, and the people point to like things like the national weight control registry, 
as like, oh, look at these people who are successful in keeping up weight. Like, and then you read what they do. And like literally every waking moment is full of awareness of food and weight and eating. Like they have no room for like anything else. Like it's constant vigilance. Um, It's tracking every single thing that you eat. Um, It's like weighing out how many grapes you eat. I'm like, I am not willing to live like that. Right. Um, Right. You know, I, I don't think it's worth it. Like, like is it worth it though uh when a lot of the outcomes that you're seeking can be um can be obtained through gentle nutrition and joyful movement um so and like giving yourself structure and permission um to eat satisfying food at regular intervals in amounts that feed you and fill you um and moving your body in a way that's sustainable and joyful for you right so do you get a lot of pushback in your office when you bring up the concepts of intuitive eating and health at every size? Um, so I find that patients are really relieved mm-hmm. when I bring it up. Um, and I think there's some patients who really like have truly believe in diet culture. Yeah. And I may not change their minds and that's fine. I'm there for them and I'm there to help them like manage their health and their life in a way that makes sense and is meaningful to them. Um, so I'm not like a health at every size evangelist right? Um, in that way, but I feel like I gently introduce it to most people that I think it can benefit. Um, and it definitely informs a lot of my thinking about like growth curves in kids and like, um, weight management as part of chronic disease care. Uh, And being a family doctor, I kind of see both ends. I see both kids who are at extremes of growth, underweight. I don't like using the term underweight um, and overweight because it implies that there's a a perfect weight and you're not it. Um, But like we use those terms because they're like clinically significant. Uh, If someone's falling off their growth curve or like going straight up on the growth chart, or going straight down on the growth chart, those are both sort of signs that something not following a growth curve, following a growth curve that's like uniform and on track for that kid, even if it's above the 90th percentile, I think it's still healthy growth. Right. Um, but following a trajectory that with a rapid acceleration of weight often means that something has gone awry in the feeding relationship or in the family dynamic, and sometimes it's like an opportunity to intervene with more support. Um, but it doesn't mean the solution is intentional weight loss. <laughs> it right, means like, right. you know, like normalizing the parent-child feeding dynamic or like, you know, providing more support or like, you know, having families get access to food. Like there's so many other things and uh, fat shaming is not the answer. Right. And if, if let's say there was like um, a, a major change, like a significant weight loss or weight gain, in a child, we could also, I don't know if this, this is what I would do, like in a, in like when I worked in the nursing home in a clinical setting, like maybe there's something else going on. We have to dig a little deeper. Like it's not necessarily. You like do have to dig a little deeper. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, there could be a medical change. Going on. Right. There's a medical change. There's a family psychosocial change. There's depression. There's anxiety. There's like, you know, so many other things that it could be because our, our wellness isn't just one piece. Like right. it's just, we're so much more complicated than that. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I, it sounds like so positive, like the way that you practice that for me, like a lot of times when I bring this up to doctors, they're like, uh-huh. So you're saying like, 
like you're really not going to put my client on a diet like I don't understand the client needs to eat 1200 calories and I'm like well then find a different dietitian they're like horrified you know <laughs> like and that's why I'm just perplexed because I'm like you guys are doctors like uh, like look at the research you know like what like I'm not like trying to throw anyone under the bus I'm just really honestly trying to yeah. understand it because you are an MD who you know practices from this health at every size lens and I want to yeah. know like how we could like how do I talk to other physicians who still believe in weight loss yeah um, a little bit yeah yeah and also like there's also there is one method of weight loss that actually like seems to work which is surgical weight loss Right. Um, and so people are always like, what about weight loss surgery? And I'm like, what about weight loss surgery? Yeah, um, I don't even see that it works, honestly, from like even my own. Yeah, clients, I mean, you know? I think I, I've seen people who've regained all the weight. Yeah, me lost. too. I've seen people who are now, in addition to being fat, also have like really bad vitamin deficiency. Right. Chronic bowel obstructions. Like, right. I, like I'm not, um, I think that like, it is an intervention that we have started doing and recommending um and I'm kind I think like I think the jury's still out mm -hmm. um and I think that there are going to be people who are going to say like yes this changed my life and made it better um and I think like I don't have an answer to that because I'm not going to deny the validity of their experience right um but I also have seen enough of times when it's been like the best choice and hasn't done somebody um you know the, the the good that they've wanted um and so like i think it's a very individual decision and it's not something i typically recommend right to be honest right um you know i wanted to ask you a question for for listeners because i'm i also like ask my own md about this so like a lot of times people will say to me, like, I don't know what happened. Like I, with my first baby, I lost the weight with the second baby. I lost the weight with the third baby, but then like baby number four, baby number six, like the weight just won't come off. And I'll just tell them like, you know, anatomically, like maybe your body wasn't meant to lose the weight. Like your body literally like, you know, like, um, I remember learning an A. Maybe this is who you are right now. <laughs> like, right. But they can't accept it. Cause they're like, no, like I, I oh. meant to lose it. And I even asked my yeah. own, you know, Dr. Kasner, she's my OB. She's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like sometimes you gain weight from birth and from, from, you know, being pregnant and like, you just don't lose it. And I'm like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't lose it or you lose it and then you gain it back over the year of breastfeeding. Right. Um, right. People don't like, want to accept that. Right. Like, um, like, any, like the things that cause fluctuations in weight up or down, if you're not trying to intentionally change your weight are often changes in your life. Right. Like you move to a city and you start walking more. Mm -hmm. You may lose weight, you may not lose weight, but like if you're not trying to intentionally manipulate your weight up or down, like your weight can still change. Right. <laughs> like right. things about your life may change your stress level may change, your cortisol level may change, your thyroid level may change. Like, um, there's no guarantee. Most healthy adults with good um, life stability and like ability to feed themselves maintain a stable body weight. Um, but life changes can change that. And pregnancy is a huge life change. Right, right. And having, having going from, going from, Four children to six children is a huge life change. And right. going from four children to five children is a huge, oh huge life change. And yeah. like, 
um, you know, and like, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It right. means your life is different now. Right. Um, and are there, should you still maybe try to optimize gentle nutrition and like joyful movement? Like, yeah, sure. Everybody should, right. you know, <laughs> like, right. um, does it mean something's wrong with you if you don't have the bandwidth to like go for a walk at the end of like a day with like a cranky toddler and a newborn? Like, no, that's not what joyful movement's about. Right. Right. It takes out so much of the like stress and anxiety around like like you said, gentle nutrition and joyful movement. And like that, like that's just never sustainable. So it just like, you know, it doesn't make, it doesn't really make sense that we, when we like say like, you got to do it anyways, you know, like just consistency. And then it's like, but I hate it. <laughs> of course it's not going to stick, right. you know? Well, that's also like the, um, like there's also this idea that I got from the fat blogosphere of like, you don't have to be the good fatty, um, mm. which I don't know if you've heard this language before, but there's no, this idea that like, okay, I'm fat, but like, I always eat salad and I walk three miles a day. And like, it's okay that I'm fat because I'm doing all these good things. Like right. you don't owe health virtue to anybody. Right, like, right, right. No, it, like you do not owe health to anybody. You do not owe being thin to anybody. Like you're, you're worthy and your body is your, like that body that Hashem gave you in is the only one you have, you know, right, like, right. um, and you're worthy no matter what you weigh and like you have dignity no matter what you weigh and like no matter what you eat and how much you exercise those things are not linked totally and like i guess if you can like for like people who are new to like health at every size and um you know like in just from like a medical perspective could you like explain it a little bit like how um like how if you could still be like have health at any size right so like no matter what you weigh there are things you can do that will improve your health um whether or not they lead to weight loss so weight is actually not a behavior and it is a characteristic of your body um and when we do behavior interventions like smoking cessation you know, we're trying to work on changing a behavior of stopping smoking, right? Mm -hmm. We're trying to get people to break the habit of opening their um, cigarette box or whatever they keep cigarettes in um, and taking out a cigarette and smoking it. Um, we're trying to get people to moderate their alcohol intake. Those are behaviors. Right. Um, we're not trying to get them to change their liver enzymes. Right. We only right. have control over behaviors. We do not have control over physical parameters. Right. Um, Right. Um, we're not trying to like change their lung capacity from years of smoking. We're just trying to stop the behavior of smoking um, right. with health weight. It's like this idea of weight neutral health promotion. There are things that you can do no matter what you weigh that can improve your health. And it is your choice. You don't have to do them. But if you want to work on improving your health, there are things you can do um, that anyone can do um, at whatever size and level of ability they have um to improve their health and decouple it from weight and right. so those are the things that i target when i'm in the office with somebody thinking and talking about how can i help this person improve their health if that's their goal right um and those things are um like there's smart goals like specific measurable achievable timely something there's one that starts with r um realistic 
realistic, yeah, uh, and timely. Um, like, these are the things that we tell people about behavior change. Like, I will go for a walk sometimes, or, um, but like, that's not really specific, measurable, achievable, attainable, whatever. Right. Um, but like, we think, we have people think about like, what is your life now? And what would you like to do if this is your goal? Like, what's, what's reasonable? What's going to work? What's going to give you joy? Um, and so a lot of it um, goes back to sort of like the Ellen Satter principles of like adding things instead of depriving yourself of things. Like if someone says, I guess I could add in a new vegetable every couple of weeks, like a new one that I haven't experienced before. Um, or I guess I could, um, you know, um, add in a movement break while I'm sitting at my desk. Um, that would help me de-stress focusing on like other other tangible benefits of health promoting behaviors that have nothing to do with weight loss. Right. Right. And so many clients who have been through like dieting for so long, they have sort of like this like aversion to like eating vegetables or moving or, or, or they feel like, well, I won't lose weight anyway. So what's the point? And this, really, why should I do it? Right. And this really gives them back the power. Like it's not about the weight. It's about the healthy yeah. behavior. And like, I think that that's why so many people, they don't, you know, some people in fat bodies don't go to the doctor. Some people in fat bodies don't go to the gym because they feel so shamed. And I think that, you know, they, even like the research shows that like eat, being fat shamed or having shame around your body could lead to like negative health outcomes, which is like really, really interesting, right? Yeah. Well, I think it really gets at the fact that like structural injustice harms people in real ways. Right. Um, and I think this is across the board. Right. Um, you know, all like it's bad. Like, right. Um, and I'm talking about fat right now, but it might as well be race or like other things that are like, um, you know, pervasive and kind of people don't even want to admit that they have biases and it impacts people's care and impacts people's experience in the world of like being out there and let's just go back to the example of fat, like being out there as a fat woman and having people like give you side eye every time you go and get an ice cream, like right, right. that kind of chronic shame, tension, fear, like that's not healthy. Right. It's so, it's like, it's so painful for me to even hear like the things that I, that I've heard in my office, like, you know, somebody in a larger body going grocery shopping. And like, I, I just heard this recently, somebody was grocery shopping and like somebody literally came over to her car and said, took out her ice cream and said like, oh honey, you don't need this. Like, yeah. Like how, you know, like, like who does that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. But I'm just like, so happy to hear that. Like, you're practicing with this approach, you have other doctors that are pra practicing with this approach, and then it's well received by your, by your, um, your patients, because I feel like even in my own office, like people who really want to do intuitive eating, and they, they, they want to believe in health at every size, they're still like, at the end of the day, I hate my body, or at the end of the day, I need to lose weight for health reasons, or I have diabetes, yeah. and the research shows if I lose 10% of my body weight, then my numbers will be better, right. and I'm like, let's focus on your behavior, then we could work you know right because... and you know it's really hard to separate that lose 10 percent of your body weight um from like 
what changes might happen if you did weight neutral health promotion on their own? Right. Like, and I think that there is some emerging research now that is showing that like, you get the same improvement in metabolic parameters from weight neutral health promotion stuff that you do from that like tiny, because probably what you're doing when you're getting that minimal weight loss, which is not going to be sustainable, which is going to come back, which is going to come back plus more, like mm -hmm. um, right. from actually doing joyful, sustainable, like nutrition and exercise stuff. Right, right. So you and can I've get the that. benefit without the harm. Like, right. you know, it's like, it's like a, like weight loss is not a benign intervention. And like, I think we should be like first doing no harm, right? Right, right, right. And um, yeah, I, I've seen it actually in my office where like I'll work with a client um, and they're eating and like their A1C, their hemoglobin A1C gets better. And like, we don't even, I don't even check the weight. Their weight, as far right. as I know, it hasn't changed. And it's like, wow, like, yeah. you know, like even I'm like- Because you're, you're targeting behaviors. Right. You are seeing changes in the parameter. Right. Um, the parameter for all you know, might've changed. Right. But that person was not targeting weight loss. That person was targeting their healthy, health-promoting behaviors, and they got the results that you wanted, which was reduction in A1C. So right. I always go by like, there are other parameters we can track to see whether your health-promoting behaviors are working. Right. And so you feel like in the medical community, there is a shift a little bit towards this health at every size? I would say there's like a lot of work left to do, mm -hmm. um, honestly. Um, and I think that there's also more research to be done, more data to show that this is like a viable, sustainable path. Um, and I think we need to like get out of our diet culture minds right? Um, to, to go there. Right. Like I've seen on Instagram so many times, like if, um, like if let's say like a drug for blood pressure, like, like lowered your blood pressure, but then like in a week made it like even higher then like the FDA would never approve that. So like with weight, it's like, we're still some, for some reason, like, you know, recommending weight loss or prescribing a diet, but like, we just like look at the harm that it's doing. So I just, I really just want people to, I really especially wanted to bring you on as a doctor because I feel like, <laughs> I hate to say this, but like dietitians have, you know, whatever credibility, but like, um, yeah, it's just like, it, I still feel like so many people are give pushback to like, to the intuitive eating help at every size approach. And it's still, it's still a battle. I do feel like that. Yeah. And I also think like, um, I see a lot of like intuitive eating dressed up, like diets dressed up as intuitive eating. Totally. Like, think about what you really want. So you avoid eating things that are unhealthy. I'm like, no, no, that's the wrong. You got it wrong. <laughs> you said the right. loud part quiet, the quiet part loud. Um, right. You know, um, so those things are really just diets. <laughs> right, right. Um, people who are like, chew 10 times after each bite and then right. like sit and do a meditation. Like that's just restriction. Right. That's not actually mindful eating. That's just a way to get you to consume less calories. It is restriction. And it's not going to work. Like, right. You know right. it's not going to work. That's why it's so uh, it's so important for people to, like, hear things like this. Because, like, I think, like, a lot of times people will send me something on Instagram. Like, is this intuitive eating? Is this diet culture? And even, like, you know, so many people think intuitive eating is, like, just eat whatever you want. Like, it's not – that's not what it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, also, like, I keep getting ads on NPR for, like, Noom. 
And they're right. like, it's psychology, make better right. choices. And I'm like, it's a diet. Right. <laughs> like, they want right. to eat 1200 calories a day. Right. Like how, right. in what planet is that not a diet? Right. Exactly. So it's sneaky. Like they, like they, like, um, Christy Harrison says from anti, from anti-diet, the book, she says like, it's the wellness, like now it's like dieting isn't cool anymore, but like wellness is very cool. So like, it's very sneaky. Wellness is so cool. Like or Octavia, which is like totally diet. Like it's, right. can't be anything else other than diet. People are like, I'm an Octavia wellness coach. I'm like, right. great. You're, you're the diet. I'm like, right. you right. can't tell me that that's not a diet. You're oh, like that's literally 100%. buying diet food. It's 100% a diet. Yeah, that's Weight 100%. Watchers, totally a diet. All of these things are diets. Right. And I say, I, I always say this to people like, you know, people say like, oh no, but Weight Watchers like is the one that really worked for me. And I'm like, really? Because that's the one that like messed you up the most. Like that's now you can't get the yeah. point system out of your head. Of course it's like. Yeah. Do you know what? Like that is actually like, I have to actively fight against that. And I haven't been on Weight Watchers for like 15 years. Right. It's just like I'm 37. The last time I was on Weight Watchers, I was like 23, whatever, like 14 years. Um, Like, I just like, it takes years to undo that restrictive mindset. Right. And then sometimes people will say like, um, well, I haven't been restricting in like five years, but I still find myself like binging or something and I'm like you know that could be backlash from five years ago that you think that or like even having a session with me knowing that I'm not going to put you on a diet it's really hard to like yeah like like you also like I feel like this is actually like especially we didn't even go into like binge eating disorder um or like binging in general you could come back on for the the podcast because I'd love to talk to you about that yeah sure um but like binging is a hundred percent a product of restriction right um you get, you said, get into these cycles of restraint and disinhibition. Right. Um, and like the restraint can be coming from anywhere. The restraint can be coming from inside the house. You know, like um, the restraint can be coming from you and years of diet culture that are in your brain. Right. Um, you know? Totally. Yeah. And I that's mean, what sets people up for binging. Right. Right. Yeah. I see so much binging like also and there's just like so much shame around it and like confusion and it's like yeah if your body's starving and you have any it's just normal that's just like your body also, like, like trying to survive a lot of what people think of as as binges are like normal meals or yes, like totally like making up what you're not actually getting that your body needs like I remember thinking like oh I ate like a handful of walnuts and some cheese that's like a binge and I was like no, it's because I was a growing teenager and like 18 points is not enough food. You know? like, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually really like sad when you think about it yeah. because like that's what like the dieting would make you think that you're binging because you're going over your points. And that's like so sad yeah. that like your body has to feel so deprived. It's protein and fat, you know? Like, yeah. Seriously. And they're like, we let you have healthy fats, two teaspoons of olive oil. I'm like, great. Right. Right. <laughs> And like, you know, people gaining weight around their period and feeling all this like guilt and why did I gain weight? And that's like, right, you need to gain weight in order to, you know, get your period or have a certain amount of fat or whatever it is. And it's like, I know I I for sure gained weight around that time. And like, I just felt, you know, it's just such an awkward time. You feel so uncomfortable in your own body. If like only somebody would just tell you like, no, that's a normal thing for you to gain weight. Or like, I love like, I listen to like so many parenting classes where like, you know that you'll like celebrate getting your period or like wow you have such a healthy body look how you're growing as opposed to like oh my gosh like don't gain too much weight you know like it's so 
it's just so much more positive. Like it's so much more. Yeah. I remember welcoming. hearing a lot of that rhetoric around like first period stuff about like, yeah. and now you'll start to gain weight, you know? Like, right. 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 <laughs> totally. Um, welcome to womanhood. Welcome to diet culture. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to be welcoming yeah. that anyway. So. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, like you... diet culture is like so pervasive and it's like so present in like the from world also. Yeah. Like, we have not escaped this despite like us being like essentially more focused on internalities. Like, yeah. Should a chrasimese include your mother's dress size? You know? Like, oh gosh, really? Uh, Is that true? I mean, it was true 20 years ago. I don't know if it's still true, oh, but gosh. Um, like, you know, oh, um, people definitely yeah. asked like, the jeans. You know, yeah. In, yeah. Inappropriate questions about, propensity to future waking after children you know right right i know i actually wrote a blog post recently about like why i think like jewish people um like like in like a from religious culture um why like dieting like is like so alluring and like why like where it's gotten confused with like religiosity so i think that there's yeah. like mm-hmm, it's a total avodazara like yeah. it's such a like um it's such a terrible gash mystic like it's just like the worst of the worst right um you know um and um there's actually um the fat torah project that i want to give a shout out to um which is um like it's on like the more pluralistic end of the religious spectrum but um, it also has um, some from involvement as well. And like, it is all about like Torah themes and like smashing like weight stigma and like through a Jewish lens, um, which I found very powerful. That's so cool. Um, so um, like, I thought that was really great. Um, and I, I really am happy that, that they're doing that work and I hope to be more involved with that also. Um, because like really like it is like the worst aspects of like this physicality culture that we're ostensibly like not super into as from Jews. Right. Um, but it totally is. And like, if you're really gonna be like, oh, like like, then it would be weight neutral health promotion, not intentional weight loss, you know, right, if you're really right, going to take right. that seriously. Or this um, obsession with this thin ideal or like, you know, sneeze clothing, like only fitting a certain size. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Or like you're fundamentally less sneeze for being fat. Like what? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I'm going to look um, them up and I'm going to, I'll add their website to the show notes if anybody wants to, you know, look into it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like, um, and I think there's like, we have to just like listen to all voices. Like, I think that there needs to be more space to think about. Um, I think also like, this is like where language matters also. Like I very, and I'm just gonna add a little note about this is like, I very consciously like use the term fat and refer to myself as fat um, because I feel like that is like A, accurate and B like reclaiming that from any associated stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like when we use like overweight or like fluffy, like right. we're just like afraid to name it. Like, go ahead, call me fat. That's okay. <laughs> like, right. right. You know? 
Right. Um, it's like neutralizing it or like, just like yeah. you would describe someone as skinny, you would describe someone as fat and like, yeah, yeah. it's, not, Tall, a, it's short, not an insult. Right. 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 It's not an insult. Right. No, I love it. I love when people are able to like describe themselves like that or say it in a neutral way because, or when people are like, oh, you're not, you're, 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 you're not fat and you have fat. I'm like, nope. Fat pretty much pervades like a lot of my experience as a person. So I think it's fair to say that I am fat. Right. Like, you know. Right. Or like when people say like, oh, you're not, you're not fat. You're beautiful or something like that. Like that's you're so like, wrong. I'm fat and beautiful. Right. Right. <laughs> Just no, it's really important to talk about like the language around people's bodies and like the way that yeah. we've, um, yeah. And I, a lot of parents have told me that when a, you know, a kid comes home and somebody calls them fat, they're like, no, you're not fat. You're beautiful. And I'm like, well, you just told them that like if they were to be fat then they wouldn't be beautiful and like right. what if I they are like, fat it's okay like it's some great. bodies are fat and that's okay <laughs> right. Right. um right, right? Totally. like some people are tall some people are short some people are fat some people are skinny like right. all of you these have things a size are okay shoe size you have a size 10 like like that could be totally I even read about that on my Instagram like could you imagine if like the size of your shoe was like as you know that neutral number was just as neutral as like your skirt size you know like could we imagine right. a world like that yeah um okay so this has been like incredible could you do you have like a website or where people can find you if they want to like learn more about you um I just like I don't I like <laughs> you need I to make one we need to like I guess yeah. um I mean like I'm on Facebook I don't know <laughs> okay you're on Facebook and um, we need you need like to make like a help at every size like MD group so like we could like, I mean more about what you do there's like uh, yeah I guess I guess I could do that um I feel like um I feel like I'm, I might grow into that role um you're, like, you don't seem very busy so like it could just be something you do like as you drive home you know I'm just joking. in all my free time yeah in all your free time yeah exactly <laughs> Um, I think it would be great. Um, I think I already wear like a ton of hats. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, maybe in my like next iteration. Yeah. So I'll um, I'll steer people to your Facebook page. And oh, actually, like, yeah. <laughs> like, if you have, if you I have may not accept. People can follow me. Like, it's not super active. Like, it's mostly like cat memes. <laughs> right. Right. I'm just joking. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how to work my Facebook. But but you definitely should have like some sort of you know, landing page, people could find you, hear more about what you do. It's like incredible. You're like, I always say like people like you are like changing the firm world. You well, know? I mean, like I only really do this for like my patients. <laughs> like, right. I don't really do this like for the world, but. Right. But um, still, like just yeah. to know that there's like a doctor out there that is from and health aligned. Like so many people ask me, you know, like on Instagram, like I need it. Like I can't go to my, like I just went to my doctor and she fat shamed me or she told me I have to lose a hundred pounds or I need to have weight loss. Surgery. Yeah. Like what do I do? You know? Right. Um, I mean, like, I also can't be everybody's doctor, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> I wish I could. Um, right. But, um, and um, I mean, I guess if you're in the Boston area and you need a health um, at every size aligned PCP, like, that's me. Okay, um, great. So if you're in the Boston area, <laughs> woohoo. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I'm like easy ish to find on Google. Like, my practice page is there. Um, okay, awesome. And anything you want to leave yeah. the listeners with? um yeah like you have worth you know you're mm -hmm. a person in a body mm -hmm. that's your body you only got one yeah everybody is a good body definitely 100 percent. thank you so much for joining us all right thank you so much take care okay have a good night bye all right bye bye 
Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.